0: Welcome to the City of Refuge Church Podcast. We are so excited that you have joined us. We are a church that is called, connected, and commissioned. We want to call all people to repent and believe in our Savior's loving grace. We want to connect our neighborhood to the unity found in the greater family of Christ. We want to commission others to live as kingdom citizens before the world and heaven. And we hope that this podcast gives you a glimpse of what God is doing in us and in the Eau Claire community. Thank you so much for tuning in. Alright guys, welcome back. Um, I'm Pastor Jay Will of City of Refuge Church, and we're doing this kind of podcast series where we're talking to community leaders and organizations in our community. Um, As a church, we value community partnership and community development. And we want to talk about some of the issues in our neighborhood and kind of just try to see how does the gospel speak to these issues. Um, today, in our present climate, I'm so excited about the conversation I'm about to have. Uh, I'm sitting here with a good friend of mine, Pastor, uh, Pastor, I don't you Pastor. I, <laughs> I hey. gave, gave you a new level of story.
1: Some um, call it ministry <laughs> lessons, So I'll, I'll go with it.
0: Uh, I'm, getting, I'm sitting here with a good friend of mine, uh, Robert Calvi. I'll let him introduce himself and explain why it's such a good thing that we're sitting down and talking.
1: Say, well, I appreciate that, and I'm so thankful to be here to be able to have this conversation and, and to, to take some pages out of your book to spread the word yeah. of what's what's going on in the community. Um, as you know, and your listeners will soon find out, I'm a police officer with the Columbia Police Department. I've uh, I've worked with the columbia police department for 14 years now uh started my career as a patrolman and i've now worked my way up to a lieutenant which is kind of the uh, executive officer position and i represent the command staff in what we refer to as the north region which is north main corridor including eau claire and surrounding communities um, it's not my first Stint, as they say, in the north region, I, I worked out here as a patrol sergeant where my responsibilities were responding to direct calls for service and now I have the opportunity to come back into the region and work the administrative and executive officer component where I work directly with Captain Michael Blair, who's a 30-year veteran of the Columbia Police Department and a uh, long-term, long-time resident. Of the North, North Maine communities. Hey, I, man, someone <laughs> over my heart here.
0: Well, I'm excited about this conversation, man. Um, in our current cultural climate, um, you know, with so many things like police brutality and just, um, I will say, problematic policing throughout the country, um, to sit down with somebody who's been in the field for years. I'm, I'm excited to kind of just talk about our community. How do we police our community better? Um, and how can churches like myself and other churches in the area partner alongside you guys? Um, just to kind of get this, get it started. I would like to ask uh, kind of just a general question to see how are you doing as an officer in the state right now, in, in Columbia right now?
1: <laughs> well, I definitely appreciate that. Um, I'm good. and And I think, Colombia as a whole, we're good. Yeah. We we are fortunate, There there's a lot of turmoil going on across the nation, but I think for decades, Colombia has shown its resiliency. We've had strong community relationships through the faith-based organizations and various communal organizations along with the police department that we've been able to just really persevere some, some trying times. Um, with that being said, these are some of the some of the toughest times yeah. of my career. It's, um, it's hard out there for all of us, I think. And you know, it, it to me it really solidifies that we're all in this together. And the police department's only as strong as the community. And I think the community is only as strong as the leadership, both yeah. in the faith based community. As well as the school systems, as well as the parental structures. I mean, there, there's so many facets to to what leads to that level of resiliency, and uh, I think we're good.
0: I, I'm I'm proud to say that. You keep saying uh, we have this sense of resiliency, and I can I can affirm. I say um, Col- poli- Columbia Police Department, Richmond County Police, and as a state, uh, may have some of the better police that our country has not seen. I mean, um, Based on what I'm seeing is we have a consistency here. Um, what do you think has helped the resiliency of policing in Columbia?
1: I would be inclined to say that it's the leadership that we've had consistently. Um, anyone who's been around Columbia for any length of time, 10 years or more, knows that we we had some turbulent times yeah. at the police department, we, we had some uh, we had some turnover in leadership, we had some turnover in staffing, but our, our core mission has kind of stayed the same. You know, we, we're here for the community and we recognize that our, our strength, for lack of a better term, comes from the communities that we serve. Um, but definitely for the past, and I'm, I'm going to tell myself here, I believe it's been six years, that Chief Holbrook has been in office have really made a drastic impact on kind of where we're moving. Uh, his his vision and his mission to move the police department into the 21st century policing philosophies have been a guiding light source for us as we move forward.
0: What, what are some of those philosophies? Because I don't know many of the policing philosophies, so what Absolutely. are some of those philosophies?
1: So, Anyone who's been following the, at that time, President Barack Obama's uh, task force on 21st Century Policing will know that a panel of police professionals came together to create essentially a best practices guideline for law enforcement. Really? Um, okay.
0: So kind of an a
1: art of engagement. That, that, that would be a great way to, to put that. And Through there, there, there have been several pillars. That um, agencies have been strongly encouraged to follow to help in- positively engage the community. And, you know, of course, the ones that come immediately to mind are duties to intervene. We're hearing that term used a lot right now. We've had that in, in our policy for years. Recognizing that as a police officer who sees a fellow officer acting out of sorts, Maybe using excessive force. Yeah, it's, it's
0: kind of your duty to step up we and say, to. "Hey, yeah.
1: procedurally, we yeah. have to." Um, but you know, taking that another step further, going into non-enforcement, positive community interactions. You know, in 2014, these, these were terms that weren't often thrown around in the public spotlight. But our agency grabbed hold of that. We were actually selected as one of 17 police departments in the nation. Representing who's doing it right. Wow, that was very impressive. Um, you know, there's anyone who's interested can go to our website, uh, columbiapd.net, and find all that literature online. We've got copies of our uh, the Columbia Police Department's implementation guide, leading towards 21st century policing, as well as you know, I, I think any website, a quick Google search, to uh, identify the 21st century policing guidelines. We can find all of those out there, but, um, you know, just really recognizing that without the community, the police department can't succeed. Mm -hmm. We we all have a role to play and recognizing that there are a lot of, I say, issues with air quotes that aren't police matters. That is a good point.
0: I I was actually listening to a, a conversation earlier. And some of these are new buzz words, defund the police or abolish police. Um, and one of the things they actually brought up um, was talking about how police are being forced to deal with homelessness. They're being forced to deal with mental illness. Um, and you're kind of being put in a position where that's not really what you were supposed to deal with.
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a tough spot to put anybody into. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's kind of the Jack Ball Trades Master of None concept.
0: Yeah, because I mean, I I can imagine, I've never been through the police training, but some things, that's just not a part of training. And now it's, you have to kind of use your judgment.
1: Your emotional intelligence definitely plays a role in in what we do, recognizing that um, not, not everything can be... We can't arrest our way out of every problem. Yeah. And when all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. And we have to recognize that, you know, if my, if my sink's leaking, calling a carpenter's not... <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's That's not the track we want to go to. We, we want to get the plumber <clears throat> in there. And it's not that we don't want to fix the leak. We're just not equipped to fix that leak. Hmm. Uh, you know, funny enough, I was on my way into work this morning and, you know, I'm... In a position where I have a fully marked Columbia Police Department car that I'm able to drive to and from my home here in the city and uh, a neighbor kind of flagged me down because there were some loose dogs that were in the neighborhood and you know of course she didn't know what to do and as a society we know when we need help we call the police and now as an officer, I'm standing there like, hey, i got these two dogs, what do I with this? Yeah, I need to do something. I'm, I'm not the
0: dog catcher,
1: but at this moment, I'm but, the one on the scene. But I have to do something yeah. Something with these animals and, and recognizing that the police aren't equipped to be dog catchers. We don't have the leashes and the lassos or even the, the cage to keep an animal with. Um, but by being able to get those resources and reach yeah. out to our animal control officer, um, you know, the same can absolutely be said from a transportation standpoint. You know, somebody is, you know, they, they need help getting from point A to point B. The police aren't in a position to give rides, as, as they say, the ride sharing services. Um, this, our vehicles aren't equipped for that. It's, it's not a comfortable backseat. And we've got procedures that we have to follow for anybody who gets inside of a police car. Uh, you know, between audio and video recording and things of that nature, but being able to call out to the, the Comet bus system and secure proper ride-sharing options, that's that partnership that we speak of, that's, that's getting getting the right people in the right places.
0: That's definitely what I was going to bring up, because it sounds like it, it boils back down to this is what a community partnership has to work, working hand-in-hand, and it's, Again, you can correct me if I'm wrong, it sounds like the biggest disconnect is sometimes we're putting expectations on police that we're not really uh, working in our own community put on each other.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's... Uh, in, internally, we, uh, or at least I, I won't, I won't put that on anyone else. <laughs> <laughs> I, I jokingly give the analogy quite often that when somebody needs a fire to be put out, they call 911 and they know send a fire truck because they've got the equipment to put a fire out. If somebody's in a medical emergency, they know an send an- EMS. But for everything else, they call the police because yeah. those resources that are there and available. And when the officer gets there, it's identifying what resources and tools do I have in my tool bag that I can now reach out to and, and, and get those services for. Because again, somebody who's. Found themselves in a in a financial crisis. It's not a place to take them to jail over you know, no, not no. having enough money to.
0: No, there's services out there that help them. Um, you have transitions. You have uh, all, you know, just all these different services. Uh, Lutheran, right. the Lutheran uh, missions where they work with a better women. You know, Absolutely. they have different services um, that should be intervening. But it sounds again. Correct me if I'm wrong, it just sounds like we knew we know the line to call because we need immediate answers and that's usually police, ambulance, fire trucks. Uh, we don't it gets real diluted once it gets into like the real issues that our city is facing.
1: Especially at two o'clock in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> During um, business hours it's real easy to, to and, and I don't want this to come off saying that, you know, these services aren't providing assistance. Because yeah. I can vouch. We have got a strong desire to assist here in Columbia. We, per capita, I I would venture to say that we are well equipped to provide services. It's knowing what services are available or where some of those shortcomings come from. Uh, Not a day goes by that I don't pass somebody helping the community in some way, shape or form. In our current climate with COVID-19, I think I passed three different uh, pop-ups that are giving out masks and hand sanitizers. We have a desire to serve in Columbia, and I think every corner speaks to that. So I don't want it to come off that we don't have access to services. I think sometimes it's knowledge of services.
0: That's good, yeah. Yeah, it's also, not just knowledge of services, but sometimes our services are in our own little circles. We were talking about that earlier—the the circles of communication where we can reach across that line and say, "Hey, so and so, can you come help me in here? Because I don't have a—I don't have a dog in a fight in this in this room."
1: You hit it right on the head. I think um, I've been very fortunate in in my 14-year career to meet wonderful people in the communities that that I consider friends and that I can still call upon when I've reached my. My capacity, where I've reached my limit, I can reach out and say, "Hey, Jay, will man, I, I've got this problem that I think you can really help me out with." And you're there. You pick up the phone. Pick up the text. It's, it's there, as quick as I and, can be. <laughs> and, and, and that spreads. And, and I think that's that's the definition of community to me. Yeah. Is when everyone comes together. But the silos you spoke of, that that resource hoarding. I don't think it's an intentional action, but but I think that is definitely a barrier that we all run into. Mm. So now I guess it's to get into the harder
0: part of the conversation, and because I I think some of those resources are with the people who are screaming defund the police, and I'll tell you I don't I'm not going to say which side of the fence I'm on. I'm just saying it's something we all do need to have a conversation about. Um, they would say, well, the resources need to go here or here or here Um, but it sounds like there's resources going going around maybe of course some people may need some more than others Uh, it sounds more like there's not much relationship between where those resources are going or or if there is relationship they haven't built strong connection where they can call on each other so easily
1: so that's a tough one to answer because I feel I've got a pretty thick Rolodex to speak of um, I, I think, again, we're fortunate in the North region. And I, again, I can only speak for for my bubble of responsibility, if you will. Um, not many people ignore the phone call when, when, we, when we reach out. Um, but unfortunately, a dollar only goes so far anymore. There's, there's, there's only so much funding that can reach out. And, and when there's such a massive need it's difficult for one entity you you mentioned a couple of uh, transitions so transitions only have so many beds mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Christ central only has so many beds sister care only has so many beds and everything you know every cup has a limit yeah and and it's finding out what other cups are out there and really bringing those networks together um, I think anyone who finds themselves in a position to serve, is going to serve to their fullest capability maybe a little bit more they're going to stretch just a little bit more but at a certain point that rubber band can only go so far mm-hmm. and it's reaching out and finding out what other networks can we tap into and if it's not here in Richland County maybe it's across the bridge in Lexington County and being able to expand that, uh, that phone book of sorts
0: so I, I think here's the question where it comes in. How does the church
1: get involved
0: in it? How does the faith-based community get, some, get involved in it? Because um, I, I would dare to say they're hearing you say We're hearing you say Well But yeah, those resources only expand so far, but we also are trying to figure out how to expand the resources. How do we get involved and plug in some of those gaps?
1: Well, I think first and foremost, opportunities like this, getting the word out, spreading the word. I've, I've yet to encounter anyone who is offering services to say, I don't do that. Instead I hear, I know somebody who does that. Or we can figure something out. Yeah, and we talk about that sixth degree of separation and and I'm a firm believer in, we are only six people away from everybody. Meaning if I don't know the right person, you probably know someone who knows someone who can get us there. And by having that circle of trust, to be able to pick up the phone and say, hey, this is out of my wheelhouse, but maybe you can help me. I think that's really where the faith-based organizations can come in and assist law enforcement, especially in those matters that are non-police matters. Yeah. Uh, You know, especially in communities that are food deserts, especially in communities that are seeing, you know, disproportionate volumes of violence due to various reasons. Structure matters going on. Um, parental guidance matters. Just, you know, there's there's a plethora of causation. But until somebody has trust to open up to what's mm-hmm. causing those issues, being able to resolve them, as I said earlier, it's, you know, we can't police our way yeah. out of... You can't hammer everything. You can't hammer everything. That's a, no, that's a good response. And I could just think about, like,
0: I'm in North Columbia where we have a high health issue, mental health issue um, there's churches locally that have whole counseling centers
1: and those know? are amazing, those are things that, that police as much as we want to offer those services I Can't. That's, that's out of my wheelhouse that, that's beyond my reach but being able to pick up the phone and say we hey, mm-hmm. got somebody here that, that could really use someone to talk to that could go a long way and that creates that momentum that's needed, because now that word gets out and it spreads and it shows that there are people that care. And when somebody when somebody's seen, truly seen for what's going on, that's
0: yeah, that's that's, that's, a, that's, that's the, that's the good stuff. <laughs> that's the that's that's the good stuff right there. <laughs>
1: that, that gives you the the, the goosebumps because again. People call the police when they're in their worst possible mm. moment. And that's that's a lot of weight for one officer to carry. You know, we we pay close attention to the mental health of our officers as well. If all you ever see is trauma, that's rough. Which I can say, uh, based on the conversation I've had,
0: that's some that's a newer thing in the past few years. Police uh, actually having that outlet to have. Uh, some spiritual release and some uh, having someone to speak to um, about mental health. That's and it's been a major thing. I, I shout out to a good friend of mine, Curtis Sneed. That's I was just gonna bring up Curtis. <laughs> I was just gonna bring him up. Uh, that's a good brother. I, I, I see the work he's doing. Um, we always talk about how do we partner to bridge that gap between church and and, and policing in the community.
1: That's a big gap. Um You know, you, you mentioned that. Mental health and law enforcement being a new thing, I I think talking about it's the new thing. It's it's mm-hmm. always been there. Um, again, people don't call the police when everything's going great. I, I think I've only ever been invited to three birthday parties in, <laughs> wow. in my career, <laughs> and the, and that's just a recent turn of events. But you know, usually it's when somebody is at their their wits end and they don't know what else to do and they need somebody to come in and, and fix their worst day and transferring that negative energy over to the officer who now has to carry that to the next call, pick up a little bit more. That compounding stress builds up. Uh, I've I've had the analogy given of um, compounding stress where you imagine yourself in a pool of water up to your armpits and somebody throws you a beach ball and you got to keep that under the water. And that beach ball's a little bit of trauma, and one of them's not hard. You Keep that under, no problem. They keep throwing more Throw out. Throw you a second, a third, maybe that eighth one is the one that just brings them all up to the surface. Mm-hmm. But having somebody jump in the pool with you and help keep that ball underwater—that's where the faith-based organizations come in. Many hands, Baby, many hands.
0: You preaching that? I called you pastor early. <laughs> 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 um, I would love to hear. Either your opinion, or maybe you do know, um, how does the police view the church? Um, and again, this could be opinion or it could be, uh, but how do you think they view the churches as the community? Uh,
1: obviously, I can't speak on behalf of the police department as a whole. Yeah, I I, I can I, only I, speak I to, to my experiences, and as a transplant to South Carolina, I originally moved down here from Michigan, and I've had more interaction as a police officer in South Carolina with churches than I've ever had. Wow. So I I don't know if that's, I I think it's a positive Mm -hmm. thing, definitely. Um, The church is the foundation of almost every community that I've seen in in Columbia. Um, I, I don't think you could go very far without uh, you know, stepping, stepping, ground, stepping foot on holy ground, as they say. So uh, I, I think it's been huge. I know from my 14 years of experience, oftentimes we tap into the resources of the church to help us with problems in the community.
0: That's a good. That is a great thing to hear. Because I mean, I, you say you come from Michigan and you didn't have many, much interaction with the church before Columbia. Uh, I just think about the average person in the neighborhood who's uh, you know they don't know who to call on they either call the police or you know if, if somebody's having a mental breakdown at two o'clock in the morning you're getting a call and now here's this guy and uh if they feel that way and they only know to call the police i'm wondering how many of them feel like they can call on the church and like if they feel like the
1: church is available oh, that's for a really good point yeah, maybe that could be, be part of the message. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, start, I'll start forwarding phone calls over. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, I mean, well, I think I'll push a little more into church and, community and, police and communities and policing communities just to see, Robert, I've never asked your faith background. and if this, You can tell me if you don't want this in there. That's fine. Um, but what do you think the people in the community say the gospel is? And if you could put it in your own language, what is the gospel? Again, this it just don't have to be oh, there. no. I, I got you. That's
1: um, that's that's a really good question. Simply because every day is a struggle with faith. Um, especially in this profession where you see the worst. You see the you see the you see of man. the worst yeah. that we're capable of. But on the other side of that, you see the best that we're capable of. You you see the light in people who have nothing to give, still trying to give it. And and that's that's that daily struggle where, where, where you're constantly getting pulled in one direction or the other and you start questioning what it's all about. Yeah. When yeah. when you see the worst in people, then you get reminded what it's about. When you see the best in others. Um, so I guess for me And it might not Be the answer on the question That, that you're looking for But you know, for, for the gospel Is being kind Being kind in the face of adversity Recognizing that People are going through Some things that you don't know about And just because Somebody's angry That's an opportunity For all of us to recognize that their pain, it's coming from somewhere. And that's being brought to you for a reason, and that reason might just be to listen, that reason might be to act, that reason might be to connect. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's challenging, <laughs> but but I think that's where that temptation comes in. You know, we're, we're tempted every day and decisions are made every day. And it's, it's not the absence of temptation, it's the action in temptation that guides us and directs us. And just because we slip doesn't mean we have to fall.
0: Well, I mean, that's, that's not a bad answer. That's, that's Those are definitely implications of the gospel. It's is how we care for our fellow man. You know, yeah. uh, the Bible does say, love God with your whole heart and love your neighbor as your own flesh. That's literally uh, an implication of whether you believe what you say you believe or not. Um, and you're right. In your line of work, you see the worst side of mankind. Um, <laughs> we call that depravity. That's the that's the <laughs> most <laughs> wicked side of mankind. Um, I, I would say the gospel is all of us are wicked. All of us are wicked and broken and terrible. And honestly, um, outside of whatever God God, goodness, God, puts in us we are unable to do any good on our own, um, which is why we needed somebody who could do it for us. Yeah. And like I said, I'll I, I ask that question. You can tell me if you want in there or not, but that's it was it was based on I want to see your view of it, and also how do you think the community views that message?
1: Yeah. So I I struggle with my faith every day. I I think we all do. I I think in in anyone who who says otherwise is uh, (laughs) There's Right when we think we got it we realize that you know, hey, maybe maybe not quite Um, So I was raised Catholic Um, I had some separation from the church at at an early age just you know had my uh, my rebellious teen years of uh, what I refer to as being agnostic. Um, I think I'm still searching. Mm. I, I, I have a personal belief in a higher power. I, I don't know exactly where I fall in a denominational term yeah. for it, but I, I do think we are all here to serve a greater purpose. Um, my faith lies in... doing the right things being being good to one another um i i have a spiritual belief of an afterlife Mm -hmm. i i I think we are just a small section of a much larger rope and this time that we we have on earth and and i think uh i think we'll all be measured on our intentions more than our actions um you mentioned it a little bit earlier that uh, <laughs> you know we're, we're we're all wicked. We're all we're all trying to do right, but some of us are just going through the motions. Uh huh. Yeah, and 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 some of us are are missing the mark, although the intent is there. And I, me personally, I I believe that it's it's what's in your heart more than what's in your hand. If that makes
0: no, I, I get it, man. I and I will say, uh, I think that's a, a safe answer a lot of people give. That's just a safe answer a lot of people give, um, which is why we have to have these kind of conversations where it steers around to how do we serve the community, but also what's the real message about this thing? What, what is it all here? What are we all here for? Um, you know, I would say the church is there to tell the world about this greater kingdom. This greater kingdom, this greater king they must serve. Um, and truth be told, we're unable to get it right on our own, which is why we needed somebody who could get it right, right on our behalf, who can win some this victory over our own uh, sin and our own problems. But since he's won that now, he's given us the ability to actually start seeking better communities, to start impacting our, our community, Better, better working alongside each other um, because he has changed us. He has changed us. He's given us, uh, he's given us a new heart. That's what the Bible talks about. He gives us a new heart. He changes our hearts. Our hearts. We say we have good intentions, but a lot of times badness just <laughs> come out of it. <laughs> right. We just do bad things out of it. <laughs> So he has to change the heart. And when he changed the heart, now it's like, okay, now he's changed my heart. I have to look at people differently. I have to uh, serve people differently. I have to address people differently. I have to love people differently. Even the people I don't like to love that much.
1: Yeah.
0: And that's why I think the church and, and the police department should be working across that line of saying, uh, as people who see it with a new heart, See other people as a new heart. We're helping these people see each other with a different heart, or with a with a different through a different lens, and we're trying to build a more peaceful relationship between police and the community. Um, what do you think about that?
1: absolutely. You know, and, and and going back to the initial question, I've I've through my growth and and I guess spiritual growth to an extent. I've currently landed on non-denominational Christian is where I, I put myself. I, I, I believe in Jesus Christ. Um, I think you're hitting it right on the head as far as where the faith-based organizations come in on lenses and filters of how we all see each other and, and recognizing that new heart. Um and of course from an officer's perspective it's it's the intent yeah. of, of what's going on. Um, you know, from a policing standpoint we're very regimented, rules and regulations, uh, this happened or didn't happen, you know, the old Joe Friday just the fax man <laughs> component <laughs> comes out. And it's it's recognizing that sometimes we do bad things but didn't have the intent to do yeah, yeah to do
0: um, I mean you've got to think of crimes of passion Or there's a major one um, I don't know what our South Carolina Laws on crimes of passion but it was the whole idea Of if somebody just did Something drastically Almost to the point of fatally Right uh, In a moment of passion We would treat them differently Than somebody who premeditated art there's,
1: there's varying degrees of Severity mm-hmm. and, and, and you're right Something that's thought out and planned out It's definitely more severe than something that just happens. Um, I, I tend to use collisions to, mm. to draw that analogy a little bit closer because uh, I think we all can relate to a traffic accident. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we refer to them as accidents. I don't think there's many people who intentionally rear-end another vehicle while they're driving and that usually results in a much lower fine than somebody who runs someone off the road intentionally. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, so when you have a road rage incident versus a, uh, an accidental collision, I, I think that intent varies. But I think to that point it also goes to, you know, we'll, we'll use the transient community as an example. You know, you, you have certain individuals who are just homeless. And being out on the street shouldn't necessarily be a crime in and of itself. I mean, barring any other action that's going on. However, we get phone calls a lot mm-hmm. about people sitting down mm-hmm. in the shade on the sidewalk, and it and it puts law enforcement in a tight spot because technically, yeah, you can't do that. Yeah, but black, where are you supposed to go? Exactly.
0: It's kind of. <laughs> it's kind of. Uh... I always talk about. the In a lot of ways, we use black and white terms. Yeah. When there's a lot of grayness in the middle. <laughs> a lot of grayness.
1: You know, and, that, and that's the tough spot. And I think that's where knowing your community comes into play. Um, I told the story several years back. Um, Gonzalez Gardens, before it closed down, used to be one of my patrol beats. Mm-hmm. And uh, decades ago. Uh, policing strategy involved saturation of criminal areas. you know send a lot of officers in and all infractions get written up in citation form and you know it was it was a strategy that was used um, at that time. and we realized that we weren't really affecting the crime when we were doing that. Mm-hmm. like man we're we're going in and we're doing everything by the book as they would say, and it's it's still not driving the the drug dealers out of the community. And as we paid attention to this over time and just kind of watching what that strategy did, we realized that the people that were being impacted by our actions were the citizens that lived in the community. Yeah, they they weren't the ones that were doing the crime. They were just- It's the outside influencers that were coming in. And in this case, literally people from the outside coming into this uh, housing community and raining terror. On the community members but we were writing traffic citations Mm. we were writing parking tickets we we were writing uh, you know open container violations things that we thought at that time as anybody would would be affecting the criminal element because we're gonna get rid of this we weren't really affecting the crime what we were doing was we were creating a a wedge Mm. between the community because the mother who just got off of work and parked the wrong way because it was convenient for her comes out to a parking ticket. And that creates anger. Yeah, because yeah. how dare the police write me a ticket when they're selling drugs over here? And it's almost a, it's
0: a, it's the side of I don't want to see the police coming, because right. all they do is bring uh, issues.
1: They to give me. me a hard time. Yeah, they give me a hard time when all these yeah. other things are going That's on. Right. Yeah, and on our side as police, we're thinking, hey. We're here to help the community. We're trying to drive the criminal element out of the neighborhood using the tools and resources that we have available to us. And although the community and law enforcement at that time were working towards the same goal, we were pulling the same rope in two different directions. Mm. And when we're able to now have conversations and say, hey, does policing in your community look like? How can I serve you? What do you expect of me? we start to realize that some neighborhoods are okay with this action. And and again, I'm not talking the the major atrocities and you know, I'm not trying to imply that the police are, I think the term, looking the other way on on things. But it's what attention does your community need? Yeah,
0: certain things things need more attention than and uh, am not. not saying the other things don't need right. attention,
1: but... Yeah, I don't, I don't want it to come off a, in a non-enforcement mindset, but if people jogging on the road's is not a problem in your neighborhood, why am I going to go write tickets for people jogging on the road? Yeah. That just doesn't make sense. That is a good point. But we, <laughs> but we only know that when we know the community. Yeah, yeah. And if we can't have conversation with the community then we're tugging on that rope in two different directions. And we'll, we'll never move that needle. Uh, I, I had you here for a while. I'm going to ask you
0: one more question. Yeah. Uh, so how in what ways in North Columbia um, are you and the community working alongside each other? Like, is there any programs on the table? or uh, In what ways can the church get involved helping to help serve the community better together?
1: Absolutely. I, I, I think I've got to give the plug for... Uh, the work we're doing with uh, Dr. Cassie Alia Ray and her organization, Serving Connect. Meet with her on Monday. Yes. So Standing. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Cassie and I met a couple of years back um, when she approached the police department with this concept of how do we bring networks together, how do we connect everyone in these silos, and, and work towards that same mission. And through that, I've gotten on the early stages of the steering committee, which has developed, heck, I want to say two years ago now, uh, to the North Columbia Youth Empowerment Initiative, where the main focus of the North Columbia Youth Empowerment Initiative is providing resources in the 29203 communities to uplift and elevate the voice of the youth in the communities recognizing the needs of the community and providing those resources from a grassroots level Mm -hmm. i recognize as a white police officer i cannot go into a community of color and tell them what to do to change things because i know the history not only between my skin color but the patch on my shoulder I recognize that.
0: And then some the history of North Columbia is just as a whole. Yeah. But I
1: do recognize that I can sit down and I can have a conversation and maybe I can help elevate that voice. I can use my resources by providing my resources, by being able to sit down and have a conversation with Jay Will and get our word out to that six degrees of separation. Yeah. Let it be known that Farm Day Fun Day provides free food resources to communities that are currently in a food desert, by being able to help provide mask resources during a COVID-19 response, by being able to identify the needs of the community and recognizing what partners we can bring to the table. It's not my place to speak for the community, but it is my place to help bring people who will listen into the community.
0: Yeah, and I, I will say I'm so happy to actually be able to sit down and be a part of those conversations. Um, I'm be on the call tomorrow, um, but I'm I, I do thank you for your work. I do thank Cassie and everybody else for their work in the community. Um, it's a lot. To, it's still a lot to do. <laughs> oh, <laughs> there's there's always
1: something to do, and you know I'm, I'm thankful for other partnerships. I'm thankful for our partnerships with United Way. Mm-hmm. I'm thankful for our partnerships with every community leader in the North Columbia communities. Uh, We, prior to the COVID-19 outbreak, we have monthly meetings with all of the communities. And and the one echoing voice that we hear is the same ask is out there. I most often hear the community asking, what can we do as a community to help you as the police? And that, to me, is the resiliency of Columbia when we're all able to work together and want to work together to provide a better future for the children, that's where we win. Yes. Yes. Yeah,
0: man. Rob, I've been, I'm enjoying this conversation. I've been enjoying this conversation. Um, I'm thankful that you sat down with me, man. I know some of these questions, like I said, I'll send it to you to let's make sure you're like, I'm cool with you saying. <laughs>
1: I, I appreciate that. I do. I, I know I tend to ramble, but I think, um, I think this is the positive side to change. I think being able to sit down and have conversation and recognize that although I am a police officer, we're all in this together. Yes. None of us can win without one another.
0: Yes. Yes. Um, would you mind if I prayed for you, Rob, before I'd you love left, it. man? I would, um, I would love that. I pray for you real quick. Uh, Father, I do thank you that you are our loving God and you love us enough to open our eyes to the ills of this world. Yet instead of making us hate one another, draw us to a place where we love one another and try to figure out how to serve one another, how to be a, a glimpse of your kingdom here on earth, Father. That is what we are trying to do in this place. I pray for Robert, I pray for everybody at the North Columbia Police Department that during these high and intense in this high and intense season of our city and in our nation, um that you protect them that they do feel the trust and the relationship with the community. Um, I pray that we have an opportunity to serve them better, to come alongside them better, to help them police our our community, police the community better, but also to help them find other resources to serve the community in places where honestly, it's not their job. So Father, I just thank you for this time. I thank you for this conversation. Um, And I pray that it is glorifying he hear it and see what is taking place in our city. I thank you uh, for sitting down with me. Um, oh, and this is Pastor Jay Will, City of Refuge. Rob, how can they get in touch with, uh, um, with you besides 911? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I can be found on just about any social media platform, um, Robert C. Calby, uh, or reach out to me through text. My cell phone number is 803-413-2594. I will say that if it's an emergency, call 911. I don't work (laughs) (laughs) 24-7, but my cell phone is often uh, within close reaching distance of me 24 hours a day. So if you just want to send a quick text of something that's going on, I'm here for you. That brother gave you his
0: cell phone number. I just want y'all to catch that. Um, Remember, this is Pastor J. Will City of Refuge. You can go to our website, colacityrefuge.org. That's colacityrefuge.org. We're having these conversations just to address some of the things in our neighborhood and see how we can partner together to serve our community better. We thank you for listening again, and we're out.